Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm I'm doing well. It's Saturday. We're recording an episode on a Saturday. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it when things are different than the way things are usually. It's it's raw Saturday night, everybody, because right. we're recording on Saturday and we're adding to the Thursday night raw list on the show this week. Chris, I hope you're doing okay. Ca- call this collision Saturday, Saturday. That's all we can use. That's yeah. all. That's all we got. Yeah, man, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I have. I I, I gotta say. I have not been sleeping well lately. Oh no! I mean, it's fine. It's but if this show, which is almost certainly going to be edit-free, oh, it's is a little, it's a little bit weird. Then you know why. You have guessed correctly <laughs> that I'm not going to be editing this episode uh, to any large degree. So, which means I can say, but. I would not have edited out you saying butts anyway, but you can but. say it. But. but before we get into raw moments, which might involve butts, you never know. We do have some business to take care of, Chris, and that first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now these are the people. Who have gone all the way down to 654 Gimmick Street. You know what's there. Let's see. There was a t-shirt place. There was a Bojangles. It's across the street from the Apple Store. Across the street from the Apple Store. I, you had a place last time that I forgot. The Apple Store was last time. That was last time? Oh, right. It was right across the street from the Bojangles. What, what Did is, we find out if there was a, another Apple store across the street from Bojangles? No one had an example that I'm aware of. So what's right next to that Apple store and that Bojangles, Chris? I mean, I mean, the actual answer is probably a Panera Bread, right? <laughs> but that's not funny. <laughs> but there could be a Panera Bread there. Yeah, there's a Panera yeah, Bread I there. But I don't... Then, look, if we do a Panera Bread, then that is like... That's too much. Then we're trapped into, like, Gimmick Street has a very realistic area to it. I think it's fine that it's a Panera Bread. Okay, fine. There's a Panera Bread there. You know what they got a Panera Bread? Free Wi-Fi. Yeah. There you know what you can do on that Wi-Fi? You can go to patreon.com slash Ajax. That's right. And when you are there at that website, you can you can get all kinds of stuff. And all you got to do is chip in as little as a dollar a month, that's so such a small amount of money. And that helps me and Matt keep the show going, keep doing stuff, 
keep buying cereal that our our wives eat before we record jokes about it. Yeah, we gotta we gotta eat that cereal soon. And most importantly, keep paying those gimmicks they keep sending the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. Before we get off the Panera Bread thing, yeah, I do want to say favorite new segment: the Panera Bread thing. <laughs> the Panera Bread thing. There used to be when I lived in Chicago a Panera Bread location that people could just walk in and get food there. That's every Panera Bread, man. No, no, but I mean, without paying for it. Like, you could just walk in and get, like, it was kind of like a pay-what-you-want system of food. And it was supposed to be this, like, altruistic thing. And that business model at Panera Bread um, failed, which proves that we live in a a fallen world. There should be restaurants where people who can't otherwise afford food can walk in and just get food. I agree. That's it. I just wanted to say that. Hey, here are our new Patreons who gave us money to buy food with. How you like that? Quite a quite a segue, Matt. Carsa Torvald. Ah, oh, thank you, Carsa. Michael Welch. Thank you, Michael. Andrew Lehman. Thank you, Andrew. Loon Wong. Thank you, Loon. And Ashley Buchanan. Thank you, Ashley. Hey, we got a good number of new patrons here at Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up the first of the month. If you would like to be like any of those good folks and help us get to the funny weed number of patrons on Patreon, then you can, as Chris said, head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show every single week, that we do Every Story Ever specials monthly that we do Comics Catch-Up monthly. And Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. Movie Fighters is currently on strike until the actors are no longer on strike. But uh, Snack Situation, Chris mentioned the cereal that we both bought. Uh, We'll be doing that real, real soon. And it is Halloween-themed, so get ready for that. All of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon. And as a patron, you get every single one of those shows that I just listed off completely ad-free on your own Patreon feed where you do not have ads. Um, It is your own special individual feed that you get from Patreon. So if that sounds like something you would want – Head over to Patreon and and help us out. You can also get other cool stuff on Patreon. Bonus content that includes bonus audio that we, we record, outtakes that I cut out of the show, writing that Chris does uh, over there on Patreon, video game reviews that Chris writes that are Patreon exclusive. And uh, I've written a couple of little things over there on Patreon, but Chris has done most of the exclusive writing on Patreon All of that stuff is there if you are at that level on Patreon, or if you start at that level on Patreon, you get all of the bonus content we've ever done. So you should absolutely go check that out. You can also get line-stepping privileges for every story ever and for Thursday Night Raw, which is what this week's episode is all about. You can get physical rewards like t-shirts. All of that stuff is available over on Patreon. With that, Chris... Oh, right. If you can't help us out on Patreon, I almost forgot. 
you might not be able to help us out on Patreon. You might be that person who walks into the Panera Bread and is like, can I have some food for free? And if you're that kind of person, you should get food for free. I'm making that stand. You should be able to get your Panera Muffin for free. But you can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Uh, whatever it may be, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts, leaving us five stars would help us out a whole bunch. Or you can spread the word about the show uh, on social media or when you see your friends. Let them know about War Rocket Ajax, a podcast that you like. I'll say this. I'll say this. If you would would get me and Matt Panera, if we were in your town, then you should you should go to the Patreon and give us the equivalent of Panera. If once a month you would you would run into me and Matt at Panera and be like, oh, let me get that. Uh, let me get. I don't know what they have. I never been. I've been to Panera like once. Bread bowls I have. Bread bowls. <laughs> they have bread bowls. If you would give me a if you would give me a Matt a bread bowl at Panera, then you should be chipping that money into the the Patreon. I think that's a good like, stand. Thank you. That is a good standard. Because uh, your boy still needs a MacBook, and also there was an unexpected biscuit expense that is coming up. A bisque expense. An unexpected bisque expense. Uh, I'm going to talk about an unexpected expense here in just a minute. What a chance. Yes. Which means, Chris, it's time for checks and wrecks. What do you say? I think we should do it. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? Matt, I have been on a I've been on a manga kick lately. Well, it's you like, read all of Dragon Ball. Uh, that's true. I have read all of Dragon Ball, and it's like I remembered that the Shonen Jump app is like literally the best value in comics. Mm-hmm. It's like if you like comics and you have like even a little bit of of if you're spending even a tiny amount of money on comics and you're not getting. Marvel Unlimited and the Shonen Jump app, you're fucking up. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Best value in comics. There's so much to read. And personally, Matt, I have read, uh, I have read, well, not all of, but I am caught up on what is currently available for uh, Spy Family, or maybe Spy X Family, or maybe Spy Times Family, or Spy Cross Family. Or Spy Key Family? I don't know. Ever since I found out it's Hunter Hunter, I don't. I don't know. I do think That's it funny. is just Spy Family. I I think so too. In the way that Hunter Hunter is just Hunter Hunter. But Spy by Family is also good. Why? Why do you? Why put the X in there if you're not going to say it? It's not. It's not of swords. It's not men. <laughs> I wouldn't read a. Co- I wouldn't read that comic. I wouldn't read Men ninety two. Men would be a different book. It would be one that I would not read. <laughs> uh, you you got to give if if you're gonna have a man in your comic, he got to have an adjective. That's yeah. that's all I'm saying about that, which I'll get to in a moment. Uh, but I'm caught up on on that book, which was uh, very very enjoyable. I think you would like it. Uh, it's very sit- it's very sitcommy, but it's also very the Americans in a way that I think is uh, truly delightful. 
Yeah. Uh, and does have legitimately one of the rawest moments I have ever seen in a comic book. That's exciting. I kind of want to talk about, but I kind of want to see if anyone knows what it is and will send it in. It is a moment that is very similar to something that happens in the Walt Simonson run on Thor. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. But yeah, the premise of that book is very fun. Uh, There is a spy who is trying to get close to someone. uh, And the only way to do that is to uh, like the only social thing he does is uh, he has a, uh, two children who are in school at, at this prestigious private school. So this guy has to go get a child and enroll her into this school. Uh, and the child is a telepath. So uh, who loves a cartoon about a spy. And so when she finds out that the, uh, the guy who is coming to the orphanage to essentially buy a child is a spy, she's very keen on him. Uh, and then to complete the ruse, uh, he goes and finds a woman who needs him to pretend to be her boyfriend to go to a party. And he gets her to pretend to be his wife for the sake of this operation. She is secretly an assassin. They don't know. She does not know he's a spy. He does not know she's an assassin. Neither of them know that the girl is a telepath. The girl knows everything. They also have a dog that can see the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very good. It's a very good dog. Uh, his name is Bond. He's very cute. Uh, yeah, Spy Family, very enjoyable. I'm all caught up on it now. I'm also about a hundred chapters deep into Chainsaw Man. Oh, I got to start in on that. Yeah, buddy. Chainsaw Man, wild. Yeah, it's that's what that's what I understand. That's what no, I understand. It's you don't understand. I'm telling <laughs> you right now, you don't understand the Chainsaw Man Wild. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about Chainsaw Man. Uh huh. It's it's not too far from Berserk. Okay. The like all of the devils. And devil designs are so reminiscent of all the creepy monsters from Berserk. And it's like, it's like Guillermo del Toro's Berserk in in that regard. Which is obviously appealing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was talking to Kel McDonald about this because they recommended uh they were like oh yeah you'll you should definitely reach in some and i was like yeah i'm not quite sure if i like it yet because the main characters like uh denji who is the titular chainsman and power who is uh essentially his partner for the first arc I I told Kel, it's like reading a comic with two Deadpool's, mm-hmm. but then a like it's like if Berserk instead of Guts starred two Deadpool's, which does detract. I think, <laughs> <laughs> like it it was for me definitely a a thing of like I like everything that's going on except for these main characters. 
power I really came around on. Uh, she gets really good after a certain point. Denji, boy, I just don't know. I don't know about him. And I'm yeah. pretty far deep into this. He's he's not so much a Deadpool as like a Deadpool cosplayer, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So that said, it is still one of the most compelling comics I've ever read. It is one of the most, like, in terms of, like, scary imagery, definitely, like, up there with Berserk. And also, like, you can tell, like, oh, yeah, this is the, this is the dude who did Goodbye, Ari. Yeah. Uh, I, Matt, you gotta read it, because I am very curious to know what your thoughts are on it specifically. Okay. I can tell you, you do not understand how weird that book is yet. Okay. I've seen like super eye patch wolf's videos about it. So I kind of know what the book is about and who the characters are, but I will find time to sit down and read it in the near future. I don't know if I watched that one because I, knew I was going to read the book, and so I didn't want to really spoil myself on it. Um, I guess I should watch it now, because I do really enjoy those videos. But, yeah, bud, I, I'm mostly glad that having read Spy Family and uh, Chainsaw Man, I now know who the people on TikTok are dressed as. That is good. That is TikTok's good. TikTok's like, hey, you like cosplayers, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And it's like, here's a blonde girl with horns. Dressing like she's gonna go to be to work in catering, <laughs> and I'm like, cool, dope. Why is this? Why is this audio about how she's a racist? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have been uh, just driving on in to the uh, the Shonen Jump app, uh, and I'm like I said, all caught up on Spy Family, uh, all caught up on uh, almost all caught up on Chainsaw Man, I think. Pretty pretty far deep into that. Uh, do let me know if there is another recommendation. I've picked some stuff out that looks good, but I'm a little bit... I, I, I'm not as uh, connected into what's, what's hot in manga right now. Uh, so if there is something that, that you think I should do, other than catch up on the 1,100 chapters of One Piece, which is a possibility, uh, let me know. Matt, what have you been up to this past week? Well, Chris, real quick, I want to talk about um, Beer City Comic Con, which I attended last weekend. Uh, it was a fun time. I met some cool people that I had not met before. I met Fred Van Linty in person. Oh, nice. Uh, we've talked to him on the show before, but I've never met him in person. Um, I also met Mark Russell, who is so nice. Uh, great guy. Um, really wants to be on the show at some point. So Good. Uh, I guess we should have on Mark Russell uh, since we're such big fans of his. Uh, saw lots of people I already knew. Uh, Matthew Manning, uh, Rico Renzi was at the table right next to me. Uh, Jeremy Brooks, who was a great local artist, uh, was there. Uh, so it was a cool couple of days of hanging out with folks. Um, the con was not as attended as I think anyone would have preferred. Um, but I did 
sell a couple of books and, and see some cool people. So um, next year, if you're listening to this, you should come out to Beer City Comic Con and, and make it a, a bigger deal. Uh, now for my other check, Chris. Guess who? Wait. Wait. <laughs> Boy, it's been a while. Needs a root canal. Oh, buddy, no. This guy. This guy needs a root canal. Oh, is Stitchmouth Matt Wilson about to come back? He's about to, yeah. Uh, oh, bud. I, I went to the dentist, and they took x-rays of my teeth, and the dentist came, like, li- like in my memory, he was, like, sweating, <laughs> coming, coming back into the room, being like, hey, is does, does he have a broken tooth? And the hygienist was like, no. His teeth look fine. And apparently he had looked at the x-ray, and like, in one of my teeth, one of my molars, it's just like, not hollow inside, but there's like, like a a big gap in there, like inside the tooth. And the dentist told me that this is a thing that happens, and they have no idea why. It just happens to people. So Wednesday, I have to go um, get a root canal, and the place that I got referred to um, doesn't take any insurance up front. They will file your insurance after the fact, but like the, you have to pay for everything up front out of pocket. And I looked around for other places that accepted my insurance near me. And the closest one is like, I have to drive like an hour and a half away. The American medical system is great. It's bad. It's, it's quite bad. Yes. Boy. Oh boy. I don't, I could not tell you how much that sucks. Uh, it does. It sucked bad. Uh, so yeah, I got to do that next week. I should be fine to do the show uh, by Thursday. Uh, maybe just a little sore, but uh, yeah, that's that's my big thing. Patreon.com slash four rocket ajax. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I do like I'm not I'm not trying to disparage you or your your dental hygiene habits or anything along those lines, Matt. I do feel like it us being like, yeah, we don't know why that happens it just is mysterious and happens that sounds like really trying to spare your feelings no i i went and looked this up later and it it was like it could be the result of a traumatic injury and i was like i don't think i had one of those it it like literally it just happens probably demons that's probably demons i'm i'm possessed and infected by demons is, is that just my luck? Chris, it's time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, as you know, I am a fan of the 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 beat them up genre of video game. Right. The the beat up the bad guys genre. The walk from left to right along a street. And fight, but not Street Fighter. Yeah. Occasionally, there's a little thing that pops up that says, go. I like having a final fight on a Street of Rage. That's what I'm into. (laughs) 
Uh, and I've, you know, we've seen a bunch of like really good, like old school beat 'em ups lately, right? Like, yeah, we've gotten uh, Streets of Rage four. We've gotten the takedown. We've gotten, you know, all there's like a brand new uh, Double Dragon that I I have but haven't played it yet. But I'm also a fan of this kind of like weirdly. Like, a genre that seems like it only existed for, like, two minutes, which was the sort of next-gen beat-em-up, but by, but next-gen in, like, the year 2000, right? Like, Final like, Fight Streetwise. <laughs> like, The Bouncer? Like, like, Squaresoft's The Bouncer, yes. Yeah. Which was a game about bouncers who all dressed like they were in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there was a Die Hard game along those lines, the Jackie Chan Stuntmaster game. These kind of 3D beat-em-ups that I thought would have been like a... You know, they were kind of supplanted by like third-person action games. But there aren't a lot that are like... And I don't know, maybe... I guess Dynasty Warriors, but that's like, you know, a Musou game is a very different thing. Yeah, for sure. So I've been playing, uh, last night I played this game called Sifu, uh, S-I-F-U, the the Chinese word for a a teacher, and it feels to me like it is from a parallel universe where we got that, like like Final Fight became this, because it is a, a 3D third-person action game that is all about not the the massive battles of a Musou game, but like those final fight fighting one, two, five guys at once sorts of games. And it's based on uh, Kung Fu movies, like very heavily. Like you're literally playing a character uh, who's th- – they've, they've killed your master – who is also your father, (laughs) and now you're out for revenge. But the level design and the environments that you fight in and the way that it's all presented is so cool that it is worth the price of admission all on its own. Like, there is a level where you are fighting through an art museum that is maybe one of my favorite level designs I've ever seen in a video game. You know? It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really solid. So I am very much enjoying uh, Sifu. It's a very fun game, and I highly recommend it. I wish, like, I even playing it now, I'm like, there are things that I desperately want to see in the sequel to this game. Like, you know, if it was, if there were just a little more options, if the, you know there was a second fighting style that you could get, or or something like that. I think it would be really, really good. But as far as like a pure beat them up, uh, final fight style game in this, this different genre, it's pretty top notch. Also, like, even though it is a, you know, it's got the, it's got the Batman Arkham Asylum camera where it's like right behind you. Right. Uh, there are times. 
originally the Resident Evil 4 camera. But Resident Evil 4 camera, yeah. yeah. There are times when the camera shifts and becomes fixed, like the Resident Evil 1 camera. Uh, and that's when you get, like, in the first level, very early on, hallway fight, baby. So it does those very cinematic things yeah. that I think are really, really enjoyable. Uh, definitely check it out. I picked it up on sale on Steam. I'm pretty sure it's on everything, but absolutely check it out if you get a chance. You, in particular, I think would dig it, Matt, because you, like me, enjoy the beat them up. I do. I do. Uh, what do you have to recommend to the people this week, Matt? Chris, I have a comedy special to recommend that is available on YouTube. Does it star uh, your wife? It does not. I've already recommended that. Uh but you should go watch that as well. Um, but this is the comedy special uh, by Joe Para, who you may know from the Adult Swim series, Joe Para Talks to You. Um, I actually went and saw Joe Para do this material live here in Asheville at the Orange Peel. Uh, but now he has a filmed special of that material on YouTube. It's called uh, Joe Para Slow and Steady. And it is very much the persona of Joe Para from his TV show, but a lot of the comedy of the special is also him kind of breaking the persona at very interesting, interestingly deployed times. Uh, the The centerpiece of the show and kind of the, to me, the funniest part of the whole thing is when he talks about how he was asked by the sex and relationship advice section of the New York times to write a column for them. And so he did and they rejected it. So he reads the column he wrote from the stage and it is, it is a thing of beauty. (laughs) Uh, Joe Perra is one of my favorite comedians right now working. Uh, so if you also like Joe Para, like I do, um, you should go check out, uh, slow and steady, his special on YouTube. It's about an hour long and, uh, a very fun time, a very fun thing to watch. Uh, so that's my recommendation. All right, Chris, now that we have done our checks and recs, it is time to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot, it helps me organize my thoughts, it helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. 
it is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper-like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for Paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. The Originally, the only comic I read this week was Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers number one. Yes, that's what got me to read a Transformers comic. <laughs> Daniel Warren Johnson writing and drawing Transformers, which is now a Skybound book. Light license comics, man. They're wild. So IDW just doesn't have Transformers anymore. Yeah, it's 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 Skybound now. Wild. So I feel like to a degree there is an element of this kind of being inspired by I mean, I guess the Transformers cartoon, but also like I feel like the human characters in this it's Daniel Warren Johnson trying to do the Transformers movies, but better. Okay. Do you get that sense? Oh, well, I have, I've only seen the one Transformers movie, and it is not... It didn't stick with me. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe. But it, it definitely does seem like it's the the TV show, for sure. Yeah, so there's cartoon, I mean. There's a teenager named Spike who has a difficult relationship with his dad because his dad kind of wants him to be a working guy like him. But and his dad is also 
heavily implied an alcoholic. And Spike is like hiding from his dad that he wants to go to Berkeley to, or he's going to go to Berkeley to study, to be an astronaut. Right. Which already makes him more interesting than Shia LaBeouf in the Transformers movies. (laughs) He also, Spike has a friend or possibly girlfriend uh, whose name is Carly who I feel like is kind of a Megan Fox type of character because she's kind of a gearhead because she has a very awesome custom van. Extremely dope custom van. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And she's like encouraging Spike like, hey, you should tell your dad about going to Berkeley because what's more grown up than, than going to be an astronaut and then they also talk about Carly wanting to go to art school. Um, then there's an earthquake, and they fall into a big cave with where they meet the Transformers. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that big uh, – the, the Ark. The Ark, yeah. The big, the big Transformer spaceship that, as far as I know, does not transform in anything, which really seems like a, like a missed opportunity. I, I have hope that Daniel Warren Johnson is going to do something with that. There's actually a bunch of seeds planted in this first issue where I'm like, I know I I have a real sense of what Daniel Warren Johnson's going to do with this. Like, mark it down right now. That van is going to transform. That van is fully going to transform. Yeah, and maybe have wizard powers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I look. Matt, I'm not a I'm not I'm not a complicated man. Sure. I've I've never claimed to be. I have simple tastes and I like all the same stuff that I liked when I was 14. And so I will tell you this. I'll read anything Daniel Warren Johnson wants to do because I want to see what wrestling moves characters are going to do. I want to see who's going to do them. I want to see what the metatextual reason for the characters to choose those particular moves is. And buddy, DWJ delivers. Yeah. On that. Yeah, you texted me uh Optimus Prime does the Rainmaker. <laughs> yeah, Optimus Prime hits Starscream with the Rainmaker and then drops a a high angle German suplex on him. Yeah. And D- D- Ratchet, I at first I re- I misremembered it. The Starscream does it. Starscream takes it. Ratchet is the one who does a super kick. Yeah, Ratchet, Ratchet uh invites Starscream to the super kick party. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this book rules. I remember reading the, uh, uh, James Roberts run on Transformers, and honestly, like, the whole time I was like, when's somebody gonna bust out the Rainmaker in this? In this otherwise perfect comic book? Like, I'm not entirely familiar with everything Transformers related. I've watched some of the cartoon, I've re- read some of the old comics, I've seen a couple of the movies. I I didn't read any of those good Transformers comics that you like. But this comic feels like the first time I've ever been like, oh, these motherfuckers hate each other. Yes. Yes, they really do. (laughs) Like, like Starscream is fucking evil in this. Yeah. 
the first thing Starscream does after he like wakes up from being in a coma for a hundred years is fucking shoot Bumblebee in the face. And then he, I'm, I'm giving away the end of the issues. He crushes a dude. Yeah, he squeezes a dude until he pops. Yes. Like it also this is real. Dragon Ball a couple times, which is always really weird because it's always really gory. Yeah, yeah. Like this to me feels like the biggest example of like the Autobots and the Decepticons like actually fucking being at war and like and like Jetfire gets got in this issue yeah boy and it feels like like there's a punch to it yeah like this shit's good (laughs) it's pretty good uh, I did just make myself wish that I could see Daniel Warren Johnson draw Goku, so I'm just going to be thinking about that for a while. You know what? I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I bet if I Google it, it's happened. I bet you could. I bet you could. Let's see here. Hit me up, Google. Let's do this. Daniel Warren Johnson. Wow. All the Hasbro shit is going, has gone to Skybound. Yeah, man. There's there's ads for a Duke and Cobra Commander series in the back of this issue. Yeah, boy. Uh, here's this here's this commission Daniel Warren Johnson did of Goku doing a Kamehameha that is um exploding Vegeta's head. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds that's about right. Good, actually. Uh, yeah. There's a. There's a Duke series and a Cobra Commander series, both written by Joshua Williamson, that are coming out oh, later. Interesting. And then there's a, G- a Skybound GI Joe series written by Larry Hama. Of course, there is. Who, so who else are you gonna get? Yeah, gotta get Big Lair. Gotta get Big Lair. Uh, that's that's next month. So, yeah, all the Hasbro shit is at Skybound now. Uh, all right. Next up, we're going to talk about Fantastic Four number 12. We've talked about Dana Warren Johnson doing his stuff that we know he does. This is Ryan North doing his stuff that we know he does. <laughs> yes. Yeah, fully. It's literally a dinosaur comic. It's literally a dinosaur comic. The Fantastic Four get pulled into another dimension where the Avengers are dinosaurs. <laughs> where everyone's dinosaurs. Right, yes. It is a, a parallel Earth where that is exactly like the Marvel Universe, except everyone is dinosaurs. And the ending, like the last page, seeing that last page is when I was like, oh, Matt, you got to read this book, because I, I know you'll like this. It is a it is a secondary Texture's Choice winner. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is Ryan North and Iban Coelho, by the way, who I noticed in this issue draws Ben Grimm Without a neck. No neck? No neck Ben Grimm. His head is just kind of floating. <laughs> Sometimes people draw Ben Grimm without a neck, man. I don't know which what to tell you. On the one hand, looks weird, but also is correct. It's, it's, it's I just noticed it more in this issue than I think I have before. Uh, but yes, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, the last page, of of course... Is that Doctor Doom shows up and Doctor Doom is a dinosaur? Yeah, Doctor I, like Doctor Doom is a T Rex, which is very funny. I've seen the um, the 
cover to the next issue, like sometimes people will just randomly post that on Blue Sky or wherever. Because it is it is human Doctor Doom riding on dinosaur Doctor Doom. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. Uh it's it's good. It's good. And the reason I didn't see that coming is because I was too distracted being like, okay, well, what's Stegron like in this world? What's what's Sauron like in this world? Like, what in the world where all the people are dinosaurs, what are the dinosaur people like? These are good was, questions. Was Moon Boy the devil dinosaur of this world? And so, like, I that sent me on a on a real mission trying to figure out that aspect of the story. Yeah, it's I don't know that these questions will be answered, but they're good questions. I bet if I asked Ryan North, I could I could I could find out. Yeah, you could. I I'm am sure about, I am going to ask Ryan North something soon. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh also very funny the Dinosaur Fantastic Four come to the human Marvel Universe. And there's this line where it's like, oh, they probably figured out how to talk to them, too. Um, they didn't. <laughs> they, they did not when we when we cut to them. I'm sure they yeah. did eventually. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, one last book, Chris, that you wanted to talk about is Shazam number four. Yeah, bud. Because I, like, I feel like things are finally getting back to the way they should be. You know, like we we've got a comic book where the cover is Doctor Doom riding a dinosaur Doctor Doom that's wearing that's wearing like a, a Doctor Doom mask. Mm-hmm. Like we also have a cover of a uh, of a Shazam book that has a gorilla and a hero proposing marriage to a villain. So things <laughs> are finally getting good again. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming out of the slump yeah uh this this comic is really really good i think i talked about last time the whole bit of the current mark wade uh dan mora shazam run shazam run. i know how to pronounce it i just like saying words wrong uh is that all of the 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 five gods and solomon who everyone is really salty about not being a god uh are trying to exert more control over Billy Batson, so they're uh, they're using their they're sort of infecting him with their negative personality traits, and we get uh, Zeus in this one. Uh, and what's Zeus's negative personality trait? That's right, he sees Queen Bee, the Justice League villain, and is immediately like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, what's up? Do you want to <laughs> do you want to go uh, make a demigod? Do you want to go make a hero?" But, but can I turn into a bull for you? You you know what women like? Women be liking swans. <laughs> Greek mythology weird as hell. Very weird. Uh, well, that sounds like a blast. No, it's it's very fun, highly enjoyable. Uh, also, dinosaurs in that book, and the uh, the Emperor of the Moon. If you were like men. When are we going to find out more about the Emperor of the Moon? It's this issue, baby. There's also a bee up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, three very fun comics. 
But was there anything in them that was raw? I mean, there was in Transformers. There was for sure. Yeah, I would say uh, most of Transformers, like, Optimus Prime hitting a German suplex is pretty fucking raw, actually. But would it now it's a list. Yeah, that's that's the question. So, Chris, it is time now to dig into what is actually raw and what does make the list. It's time for Raw Saturday Night. Saturday Raw Saturday, baby. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. All right, Chris, last time we did Thursday Night Raw, I teased that this was going to be the next submission that we did. I am shaking with excitement about this. <laughs> this was submitted to us by Lou Shoemaker, and it is the moment from Uncanny X-Men number 132, where Wolverine, covered in sewage, says, Okay, suckers, you've taken your best shot. Now it's my turn. Here's the only problem with this moment. Is that it is impossible to explain to people who haven't read X-Men starting at, like, Giant Size 1 mm-hmm. how fucking raw this is. I mean, like, because you're going to read it and you're going to be like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fucking raw. But if you're like, yeah, that's what Wolverine does, you don't fucking understand. <laughs> because that wasn't what Wolverine does. Until now. Until, like, until that panel... And that issue became the most important comic in Marvel Comics history. That, that, that panel that literally changed all of Marvel Comics for the next 20 or 30 years. Like, Wolverine... I, I feel like Wolverine is maybe not that guy in the same way now. He kind of, you know like went through being the guy that he was in the nineties, but he wasn't that guy before this. No. And then he was that dude. In fact, and he has been a version of that dude ever since. Like he, he has evolved and changed. He's, he's been fleshed out. There've been different sides to Wolverine in the years since. Yeah. Yeah. But But he is, he is this guy still. He, he's that dude. Yeah. And here's the here's the thing, folks. Wolverine was not that guy. Like the fir- this is the first time this happens, and up to that point, and and consider this is what three years into the the Claremont run. Like Wolverine's cool, you know. Like he's got knives for hands, great costume, all kinds of good stuff. Like. He's cool, but he's not the star of the book. So when the Hellfire Club sends him crashing through like five stories and into the sewer, you're kind of like, oh, well, that's that's Wolverine done. Like Wolverine's done for this arc. Yeah, I mean, what you need to know about Wolverine, how Wolverine was presented before this, is that everything that happens to him up until the end of the issue is he gets fucking owned by Harry, Harry Leland. Yeah. Like Like, the hellfire club in that, in that story is no fucking joke. You know, Harry Leland shows up and he's like, Hey, I make you really heavy. And 
he makes Wolverine really heavy, and so the floor breaks underneath him, and he gets swept into the sewer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so good, because that's like... That's not even, like, taking into account, like, the healing factor. That's Claremont and Byrne being like, what would... What would kill anyone who didn't have unbreakable bones? And that shit owns. Because you're like, yep, I guess... Because keep in mind, this is the Dark Phoenix saga. So this is this is a story that's about Cyclops and Jean. At its heart. And then... Fucking Wolverine is like, nope, this is a story and a comic book that is about Wolverine. <laughs> like, before that, before that happened, it was not Wolverine and the X-Men... After that happened, you might as well put his name on the cover. He's the star. He's the guy. Because that shit is so fucking badass, and it's also the best panel John Byrne has ever drawn. And I am a—I am not a Byrne apologist. You know, I mean, I, I would have loved to see if he hadn't vanished in the Bermuda Triangle in the in nineteen ninety three, shortly after doing uh, Dark Side Galactus: The Hunger, yeah, uh, the last John Byrne comic. What could he have achieved? Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't be online saying weird racist things. And complaining about why he can't say the M-word, but spelling Marvel with a bunch of asterisks because he doesn't want to use that word. I'm sure he wouldn't be doing insane things like that. Yeah. Uh, Like, I'm a guy who likes Burns art a lot, but that is the best thing he ever drew, is that panel. Because that panel, nothing has ever looked as much like somebody was about to get their ass kicked. There's one key problem with it. But if it if it weren't for that, it would be perfect. Okay, what is the what is the problem? Wolverine has pupils. Oh, you don't think that looks good? No. <laughs> oh, I think that looks good. <laughs> I see I I am usually with you cuz like I like it when you don't see like Batman's eyes or whatever. Like I think Batman should have the Batman the animated series eyes at all times. Mm-hmm. But like I like I like the way that Wolverine looks in that uh, in that panel with his pupils because he's going wild. I I always thought it was a mistake. Oh, I think it's good. I think it's good. The rest of it is perfect. Like what really makes it what really makes the visual is the shadow of the of the sewer grate. Yeah. 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 He, like also that he reaches up, like his hand comes out of the water and he squeezes and crushes that pipe. Mm-hmm. And then pops his fucking claws. And then like it's not quite the the bloodbath that you want it to be. But he does fucking go through some dudes in the next issue. He does. But this is why this is the raw moment and not the next issue. Yeah. Because, as we've said multiple times in the past, the raw moment is when you know somebody's about to get their ass kicked. Yeah. And he does canonically fuck those dudes up so bad that they become cyborgs later. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, you know. But, yeah. Plus, uh, God, we talked about this just last week. This Tom Warzakowski lettering. Oh, my God. That word balloon that says, now it's my turn. With the fucking jagged edges outlined in red. Oh, it's perfect. It's 
fucking perfect. It's choice. It's good as hell. The the way my is not just bolded, but it's like slightly bigger than the rest of the text. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 perfect. It is interesting I, to me that there's no sound effect for the claw popping. There's no snicked. Yeah, that that's interesting to me too. But I like, I do. I uh, my reason for that is that he pops them while he's underwater, so it's more like a. <laughs> so you just don't hear it. Like he's already ready to stab dudes. Yeah. Now what you, you said there was one problem. You said there was one problem. No, you said there was one problem. I thought you said there was one problem. No, but you okay. said he has pupils, and that's the one problem. That to me, that's the one problem. Yeah, I think this is about fucking perfect. Okay. <laughs> like, again, this this changes Marvel Comics comics for forever. Like, it changes Wolverine, but it changes Marvel Comics for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Like, they have spent so many years trying to recapture this moment. And and in a lot of ways, like a lot of times succeeding, but like this is up there. This is as definitive Marvel comics as, as Spider-Man lifting the heavy thing. Agreed. Because it's very much like the reason Spider-Man lifting the thing, like Sp- Spider-Man lifting up the heavy stuff is good is because it's w- what he does, right? Like when, when, the chips are down, and when it's hopeless, he's gotta he's gotta come through. That's Peter's whole deal. When Ben Grimm gets beaten down, he's gotta get back up. That's what he does. When Wolverine gets mad, he's gonna fucking kill dudes. And that's what he does. And he's I think there. that's like it is such a it defines not just a a not just this character and not even really just this archetype, but like this kind of character in a way that is perfect. Like, yeah, it's his turn now. And in that very Marvel comics way where every Marvel comics character is defined by what happens after they get beaten. And I love that. And I love the way that that is defined here because I do love comics where dudes just fucking go wild on each other. I th- I think there's an argument to be made that in 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 light of character why this is so important. I also think there's a an argument to be made in light of eras of comics for this. Cuz Spider-Man lifting the heavy thing is not just a defining moment for Spider-Man. I think it's a defining moment of Silver Age comics. Yeah. Uh, certainly of of like Marvel Silver Age comics, like the Marvel Age of comics for sure. Yeah, I mean DC Silver Age is a different thing. It's it's all about comics being weird, right? But but Marvel, the Marvel Age of comics, is all about heroes overcoming adversity despite their human flaws. Mm-hmm. That's the whole bit of Marvel comics in the Silver Age, and Spider Man. No character is more exemplary of that than spider-man and no moment of spider-man is more exemplary of that than that one Mm -hmm. in the same way this moment defines the bronze age when comics got a little more of a rough edge and characters were more violent 
and their morals were a little grayer. Because mm-hmm. who do you get in the Bronze Age? You get Wolverine. You get the Punisher. You get Miracle Man. You get these characters who will go to greater lengths than than superheroes have gone to in the past to defeat their enemies. And even, you know, Spider-Man and Batman eventually run into that territory. And I think this is as exemplary of that as Spider-Man lifting the heavy thing is of Marvel Comics and the Silver Age. Or yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I think you're I think you're onto something with that. Like it it definitely like it's it's only it's only like ten percent of a joke for me to say that, like this is the most important page in Marvel Comics history. Like, <laughs> oh, I I don't disagree. I I mean, Wolverine became like the two characters who are the flagship characters of Marvel Comics are Spider Man and Wolverine. Yeah. And it's because of these moments yes. that we're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's... The thing about Wolverine was, I think we as 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 comics, we as comics readers, we all kind of got tired of Wolverine because there were, like, you know, years and years of, like, oh, he's in everything. Oh, he's, like, really, you know, he's overexposed. He's yeah. too popular. Uh, and, like, the thing is, all of that is true. Wolverine also is that good a character. Like Wolverine's a legitimately great character for stories like this, you know? And like, yeah, he, he got overexposed, but he got overexposed because like this shit owns and the, you know, a lot of the shit that he does in Wolverine, like Wolverine's wedding owns the Wolverine miniseries owns like stuff is so good. So when you get a guy, when you get creators who like really understand Wolverine and kind of like revitalize him a little bit, it's usually through stuff like this in that way of like, here's something unexpected, but don't get it twisted. He's still fucking Wolverine. So here's the question, Chris, I think we've made the case as to why this is an incredibly important and raw moment. Does this does this become the new number one? I mean, like it is. I, I will say this: it is the moment that I think of if I think of like comics being raw as hell. Is this mm-hmm. like it's this one and Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat? Like those are the two examples. That's that's one from each side of the street, you know. So like I think it, it is archetypical, if nothing else. Does it beat Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat? Does it beat? Scourge standing alone at Gallibrew. The only thing that holds it back is that the next issue is not just 20 pages of Wolverine killing those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because Gordon gives Flass the baseball bat, and then Gordon beats the shit out of Flass, and that shit's also raw. And Scourge does, like, he holds the bridge, right? He's on a mountain of demon bodies, beating dudes to death with with a machine gun. So you're... You're, what you're contending is that that those moments pay off in a way that this one doesn't. Yeah, the next moment, the, the next issue is good, and like Wolverine versus the uh, 
I guess they're not the Reavers yet, but they become the Reavers later. Like, that's good, and it's, you know, it's not a bad payoff. Certainly not for, like, what is this, 73, 74, 75? What is... I, I, I've got my times all mixed up here. I know I'm wrong about that. This is 1980. Is it that late? Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, like... It's not like the next issue is bad, and it's not like that fight is is not a decent payoff, but it's not like what could have been a payoff to this panel, you know? True. It would have had like like there's a reason that the the things that I think of ab- above this happened like six years later. It's it's probably not something you could get away with in a code approved comic in 1980. <laughs> yeah, like you because you kind of want Wolverine to just like, I mean, you want some fucking berserk shit out of this, right? Yeah. You yeah. want dudes' heads getting cut in half. Yeah. Uh, I do like when they do this in the in the animated series, and Wolverine stops to like eat a chicken. Like he cuts off a chicken leg with his uh, with his claws that he never uses to fight those dudes. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I feel like the follow through for those moments is better, but there, I, I, there's no setup better than this in comics. There is no setup more raw than Wolverine coming out of the fucking sewer. So, I mean, after being like, you're like, oh, I guess he's dead for like 15 pages. It's not that many pages. This, it's like four pages. (laughs) It's okay. Well, it feels like this. <laughs> this is a this is a shockingly short issue. It's only like sixteen pages of story. Yeah, seventeen pages. That's yeah. That's that that Bronze Age Marvel comics. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it sounds like you're saying this is number three. Number three right now is you better fight like hell, which is also pretty fucking good. Yeah. But I think, like, I do kind of feel like we, we Wait, no, no. the moments above. Or number three is Magneto puts the Red Skull in a fucking hole. Right. You better fight like Hell's number four. Magneto putting the Red Skull in a fucking hole is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think this is number three. I think it's number three. What do you think? Uh, number three. Number three it is. So, it's good. It's good. Wolverine saying... You had your chance, now it's my turn. Is the new number three on the Thursday Night Raw list. That's pretty good. Uh, Alright, our next submission comes from Joel. And this this is an interesting an interesting submission. Okay. It's from a cover. Mm, okay. It's Captain America Comics number one, where Captain America punches the shit out of Hitler. I mean, look, that's pretty good. I'm not gonna I'm like I can't I can't say that's not pretty good, and I can't say that's not pretty raw. Like, it's not it is not quite what we mean. I think, but buddy, it is pretty fucking raw. Like, especially considering that the United States was not at war at that time. 
Yeah. I think it might be the best single piece of art from the Golden Age. From the Golden Age of comic books? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, th- th- there is there is an argument to be made, Matt. Yeah. There is an argument to be made. Like, again, we're talking about images and moments that define these eras of comics. What's more Golden Age than a superhero punching fucking Hitler? Yeah, I mean, like, and it, like, it's interesting to look at this in the context of what we just talked about with Wolverine, because that, like, this is, this is both the setup and follow through. Well, I mean, I, I, I think maybe what detracts from it a little bit, maybe what detracts from it a lot is that it doesn't happen in the comic. Yeah, but it happens on the cover. It, it it happens on the cover. It is not something that is in the story. It's just the cover telling you, hey, this is what Captain America does. Or, like, hopefully Captain America will get to this point where he gets to Hitler and can knock that motherfucker's jaw off. You know? You know, we always talk about that dude on the cover of Action Comics number one who's, like, watching... Like, who's, like, losing his fucking mind freaking out about uh, Superman smashing that car. Uh-huh. We don't talk about the the Nazi in the corner watching Captain America punch Hitler, who has, like, one of the best oh-shit faces. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that dude who is like, oh, no. <laughs> well, also, all those Nazis are shooting at him. Yeah, but the, I, I mean, I guess that guy is shooting because there's a little cloud of dust around his arm, but it just yeah. looks like he is trying to, like, he is in that corner trying to make himself invisible. Well, one I think one of the underappreciated elements of that cover is the expression on Hitler's face after being punched. Where it's just like the most discomfort someone can have on their face. <laughs> yeah. He like it looks like he's getting punched. Yeah. It looks like Hitler's getting fucking rocked. Like it's not that like, you know, kind of over um not overplayed but like i don't know over dramatic i guess like head snapped back or whatever he's still facing forward he just looks like he's in com- total pain <laughs> yeah it's it's it, good it's a, in that way that like kirby would occasionally get like really realistic with with just like certain things, this feels like a very realistic reaction to getting your shit rocked. Yeah, yeah. In a way like, that I quite like. Like he knows I, his jaw is broken. I also like that the television is labeled television. Yeah, I mean, you got it. How else would you know? And that they've got like a little note on the table that says uh, "sabotage plans for USA." Because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how would you know? Everything is labeled. Everything is labeled. Like, yeah. 
that's that's Jack looking out for you, man. That's true. Um, here's here's my question. This is not part of a story. Yeah, that's like, you said, like it doesn't happen in the comic itself. It's just a cover image. I feel like that's a different conversation. Well, I feel like dopest covers this one. We we get it. We get a real, we get a real strong contender here. I guess the question is, because because we're talking about moments, right? Right. Is this a moment? Especially since it does not happen in the story. That's 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 the thing. Yeah. Like it is an image. If like it's kind of just like a fantasy, right? Because <laughs> yeah. in Captain America comics, Captain America doesn't actually do this. Yeah. It's I I like I get I get the impulse and I get the reasoning to put it on the list, but it's also not part of a story. And I feel like if we start including like cool drawings, which I guess <laughs> all of these are cool drawings, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I once had a contest for people to draw Batman using nunchucks made of things you don't usually make nunchucks about. Like, are we going to put those on the list? Oh, I remember that. I remember yeah. That. Yeah. I'm afraid. I'm afraid we're going to have to say this does not make the list because it does not fit the def. It definitely fits the definition of raw. It's definitely raw. But it doesn't fit the definition of a moment. I do feel like if we put this on the list, like then we are also putting like Edvard Munch's "The Scream" <laughs> is up for contention. You know, I mean that's not a comic, but I see your point. No, but it's raw. That dude's freaking out. That dude's like the guy on the cover of Action Comics number one. <laughs> it is exactly like that guy on the cover of Action Comics number one. Has anyone? Wow. Has anyone in the? fine art world pointed that out because I assumed it was an homage. If you look close, it's, it's signed, uh, uh, monk after Siegel. After Schuster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be after Schuster. Uh, okay. I, as much as I definitely think this is raw, I think we cannot, add this to the list for the reasons we have enumerated, but yeah. look, I, I feel like our opinions of this image and <laughs> our opinions vis-a-vis Hitler are, are well documented. Yes. They're, we pro Captain America, anti Hitler for sure. Let it be known. And we even, as we said, this, we cannot deny that this is raw. But is it a moment? I think. I th- I think a moment has to be defined as a part of a story. If this was, yeah. If this even happened in the comic, in a way that this was representational of, I would take the covers version of the moment. Exactly. It. But it doesn't like. 
Captain America does not rock Hitler shit in this comic, unfortunately. No. And his, you know, the villain he's facing in this issue and throughout is Red Skull, like from yeah. here on. Um, they should have had him punch Hitler in the comic. 100%. 100%. That's my, that's my one note to Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. I'll tell you what's uh, as raw as this is when uh, those Nazis called up fucking timely and they were like, hey, send Jack Kirby out here and we'll show him what what uh, what it looks like if you try to punch Hitler. And Jack Kirby got up and was like, yeah, I'll be outside. <laughs> yeah, he rolled up his sleeves. Yeah. It, it, I think that's part of the, the story that he rolled up. He actually rolled up his sleeves. Yeah. He was going to go out there and beat the shit out of some Nazis, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got to move on to our next submission. Uh, this one is from Colin McGonigal. Uh, this, okay. This isn't an issue I have not read. Okay. But Colin has sent us some uh, some images uh, that I will send to you. Um. I am going to say, on first glance, I feel like these may not this this moment may not qualify as raw. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm having to save the images because they're in my email and send them to you. So I will I will describe it to you now. Um, it's from Poison Ivy number six, written by G. Willow Wilson, with art by Marcio Takara and Brian Level. Similar to that time the lizard ate a boy, Poison Ivy straight up munchins on Jason Woodrue and said, eat the rich. <laughs> that sounds pretty fucking good, actually. Um, I mean, I like the sentiment of it. But in practice, um, it reads to... Like I kind of just think it's maybe uh, gross. <laughs> I mean, look, things that are gross can be raw. I mean, many things that are raw are gross. I I will admit. People say eat the rich, but nobody ever does it. I'm just saying maybe we should just to see what happens. That's pretty fucking good, actually. <laughs> here's my here's my question though. Um. Is Jason Woodrow, the Floronic Man, rich? I legitimately don't know. He's been a tree person for as long as I have been aware of him. Uh, I, be, I mean, I guess I can, I can uh, look it up. Uh, but yeah, it's Jason Woodrow net worth. I guess you're looking at the page now. Yeah. Um, the the page of Poison Ivy eating Jason Woodrow. Unfortunately, it just immediately makes me think of that time the blob ate the wasp. That's, I mean, that's an unfortunate comparison for sure. Yeah, it does, but it's not like it. It is not gross like that, which is like both like gross in a physical way, but also like morally gross. Yes, this is not morally gross. In the way that is, this is making a societal point, right? Yeah, and also she, you know, she's not like biting off Woodrow's head. She reaches into his weird little plant body and 
and it reminds me more of like Abby eating uh like swamp things sex tubers. Yeah, I guess it is similar to that uh in in practice. Uh it also raises the question. I've always wondered this. Doesn't it seem like poison ivy would be like a PETA member, but for plants. See, I feel like this is a very similar question to like the idea of Aquaman eating fish. Like, like I, I mean, I don't know. Should like, poison this, ivy just be fully carnivore? Should poison ivy be keto? That's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like poison ivy would be an anti-vegan. She would only eat animals and animal products. A megan. A megan. A mithrigan. <laughs> I'm just saying, to me, that makes sense. Well, I... I mean, I don't, like... Doesn't Poison Ivy get, like... Like, Poison Ivy is like a plant, right? So she gets, like... She does not get nutrients from food. Oh. Well, that, that's that's sometimes she's a person and sometimes she's sometimes she's a person. Sometimes she's a plant. Yeah. Plant. Yeah. I don't know which and one she would have plant. been here. But yeah, exactly. I don't know which one she is here. I think she's up definitely like current continuity poison ivy. I believe is a full plant lady. She's not green. She's not. She's not green, but she does have like leaves on her face and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious to know. I have not read this series. I should. I like. I like G. Willow Wilson and Marcia Takara a lot. Uh, and I think I read the first issue. And wow, how many times have we said this over the years, Matt? I think I read the first issue, really liked it, and, and then read a bunch of comics I hated instead, and then bailed. Yeah. Uh, but someone tell me if. Uh, <laughs> If Jason Woodrow the Floronic Man is presented as being rich, is Jason Woodrow a capitalist? <laughs> I I don't I don't think we can rank this as much as it pains me to say. I will say this. It's pretty fucking good. Poison Ivy saying everybody says he's rich, but nobody does anything about it is pretty fucking good. The the I feel like yeah it's the it's the dialogue that makes it yeah I don't love the art I have it's that kind of DC Comics art that's just like a little too a little too grimy for me to really enjoy like it's not the aesthetic I prefer uh i i like marcia takara in general but i do feel like i get what you're saying it's kind of like a it's very eduardo riso i think this, oh, this i like page. i like eduardo riso i it what it reminds me of, i think it might even be like the colors that are making me feel this way it reminds me of a lot of the kind of early new 52 art like uh the, the the detective comics new 52 uh who did that <laughs> uh detective comics that wasn't tony daniel that was it was it Dave was tony. no it was tony daniel it was tony daniel 
This this might be a terrible insult. It reminds me of Tony Daniel. <laughs> Tony Daniel's not not. I I do not think comparing someone to Tony Daniel is an inherently bad thing. I think Tony Daniel has drawn plenty of of good looking comics. Is he my favorite artist to have worked on Batman? No, he's a nice guy, though. Uh, when I met him, it was very nice. Yeah, I um, I I have nothing against yeah, Marcin Takara. No, nothing against uh, any of these guys. Any of yeah. these folks. It's just not the aesthetic. It's not the aesthetic I prefer. Yeah. I have to say. Uh, so, I, I think this could qualify as raw, but for, for the reasons we've stated, we're out. <laughs> I think we. I need someone to let me know if Jason Woodrow the Floronic Man is a capitalist. Yeah, I do think that helps. I'm looking at Floronic Man's Wikipedia page right now, and it is not helping. As far as I can tell. All right, we'll put this one. This one is is DQ'd under review. Okay. Is Floronic Man rich? I'm rich in, I, rich in nutrients. There's. <laughs> uh, I'm getting no. I'm getting no help here. Okay, we got to move on. This Floronic Man may not be Jason Woodrow. No, it's he. Uh... She calls him Woodrow. Oh, okay. Then, Unless you mean like it's how Alec Holland's not really the Swamp Thing. No. Okay. In this CBR article about Floronic Man, the only use of the word rich or wealthy refers to Avery Sunderland. Uh, not... Oh, I guess this is in the show. This was in the Swamp Thing show. Okay, never mind. Can we can we just point out just real real quick that the cover blurb on this issue of Poison Ivy is "Mommy's very angry." So, come on, DC Comics, we know what you're doing. It's real New Fifty Two vibes. Real New Fifty Two vibes. What when? What year did this issue come out? Oh, this is recent. This is this is very recent. This is like uh, like literally a couple months ago. Why? Yeah, this issue was, is well, not a couple months ago. It's, it's November of 2022. So about what, not quite a year ago, about a year ago. Yeah. Wild. It, I could have weird stretch I, in the mid two thousands when DC comics had a ton of cover blurbs that were all fucking like movie titles. That's oh Yeah. <laughs> That sucked. I would have if you had shown me this this art sight unseen, which which I guess you kind of did, uh, Colin. I would have absolutely guessed this came out in like 2012. This looks like DC Comics from 10 years ago to me. I I think I I. I don't think you're wrong. I do disagree. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. 
let's let's move on to the next submission. This one is from Brad Ellison, uh, the Renegade Dope Dog, uh, who who sent us some of his own personal lore in this email about himself, about being the Renegade Dope Dog. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he says, "I absorbed some of the boss dog Patrick O'Duffy's dog essence." And became what I would have to describe as sort of Captain Marvel, a sort of Captain Marvel Junior type character. Uh, I want you to rank the rawest fun moment from the rawest bleak comic book, Punisher Max. Okay. okay. Uh, so, Brad says, "Do you, Grassman, talking to me, the Grassman, Matt Wilson?" Yeah, recall what Frank Castle does in the very first issue of the Max series, The Punisher 2004. Because what he does is shoot a motherfucker, shoot him right in the goddamn face at that man's one hundred damn hundredth one damn hundredth birthday party. And then he just walks out. Then he kills another hundred guys with a machine gun. But icing a century old gangster at his own party and walking casually out of the room is the frostiest shit there is. <laughs> I th- the fact that he does it on his 100th birthday, like, that that he's not, like, that's, we talk about this, about Secret Wars, uh, Secret Wars 2015, like, in the first issue of that, when, like, the world is five minutes from ending, Frank Castle's still gonna go and shoot those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, they're not gonna get five more minutes while he's out there. You know? Which is, like, I think fucking funny. Like, this is a bleak series, and it's not my favorite Ennis work on Punisher by by a long shot. Because I think it gets just so fucking bleak. Um, and I feel like the, you know, I, I don't think the the art. This is a uh, Gorlin Parloff, I believe. No, it's uh, Louis Larosa. It's Louis um, Larosa. Yeah, it's it is so dour that I feel like the Ennis and uh, uh, Steve Dillon stuff is so much better because Steve Dillon's so good at drawing comedy, like. And that lends itself to stuff like Frank Castle punching a polar bear, which is so fucking funny. Like, I mean, look, you're right. You're right on all counts. Yeah, about all of that. The 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 Punisher Max stuff. I like the Punisher Max stuff. I think more than you do. But the thing that drags it down, or the thing that is not so great about it, is that it can be kind of a bummer. At times. And it's definitely Ennis trying to say, and and it's very clear from the first page of this issue, hey, I'm I am changing the tone as completely as I can. Yeah. Right. But Brad is right. No, that's it's it's very funny. That when Frank shows up at this fucking gangster's 100th birthday party where he is sitting at the birthday party with like hooked up to like his oxygen tank and stuff 
and his IV. And like all of the people are there with him, toasting to him, saying salute. Punisher just shows up and he says, Massimo Cesare, I'm here to kill you. And people look at him. There's there's a guy who goes, now just... And that panel where he's got like his hand up trying to stop Frank from killing this 100-year-old man <laughs> is like another character who's like flipping out over seeing a superhero. Like that panel is it rules. No, it's it's very good cuz like it, the 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 reactions of everyone again, I don't dislike Lewis Rosen, I don't dislike his art in this. It's just, you know, a little too it's not my preferred style. But the way he draws everyone's reaction where everyone's just kind of surprised cuz like yeah. this everybody's just clearly, this dude's 100 years old. <laughs> Everyone is shocked by Frank's audacity, yeah. right? <laughs> like the guy is just like, hold, "Wait a minute, hold what now? Yeah, just hold on, he's a hundred years old." And the next panel is Frank with his pistol out shooting, and somebody goes, "No!" And then you just see this hundred-year-old man get shot, and like blood is all like behind his head. And then the next th- panel is a guy at the party going, motherfucker! <laughs> As Frank just casually walks out of there. Yeah. Because this is this is a thing that Ennis does a bunch of times uh, over the course of Punisher. And I think it's like one of... It's got to be like his favorite recurring gag. Which is that Frank will do something just to get people outside into the line of fire. Because the next thing that happens is that, like, everybody runs out after him, and Frank has a fucking Ma-Deus that he is, like, I mean, it's Berserk-style shooting people's heads in half. Yeah. Um, well, but, but but what I think is important to note there, you say it's Berserk-style. I think that art is the stuff that's not so good. Like, where the all these guys are getting shot, by I just mean that literally dudes' heads are in half. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that's the stuff to me that's, like, a little iffy in the art. Uh, but, like, Frank, just to me, the part of this that's raw is that Frank casually walks out and just saunters over to the spot, like, over a hedge where he's got his machine gun set up Mm -hmm. his chain gun. And he's, you see his, his narration where he's like a couple of seconds of shock, a couple of seconds to get pissed a little bit longer to get everybody out the door. That's all I need. Yeah. That's the part that rules to me. Yeah. I, this is, I think, Far from the rawest moment of Garth Ennis's eight-year run on Punisher, uh, but it is pretty like it's it's pretty fucking good and it's pretty fucking funny, honestly. <laughs> and but I also like how it's you know we talked about that Wolverine moment and all of the rawest moments aren't just they're not just 
cool and they're not just someone's about to get fucked up. They're also very illustrative of character. And I think that's important. And I really like that this moment, even though it's essentially just a, it's bait, right? To get everybody out the door into the line of fire so he can take them all out. It's very illustrative of the Punisher in the same way that that moment in Secret Wars is. Because for Frank Castle, you don't get to get away with it. I don't care if you're a hundred fucking years old on your deathbed. You don't get to get away with it. And I feel like that's a very, that is a, that's a thing you need to understand about Frank and, and how his mind works. If we're going to follow him as a central character. And I think Ennis is better than what Ennis did on Punisher. That was better than anyone else before or since is that he justified, didn't justify, but like, I mean, yeah, he kind of did justify, but like, he made it so that you got it. And part of that is being like, yeah, here's how he operates. And part of that is like, you know, Punisher Max had the formula of six issue arcs, where the first three issues are bad people explaining why they gotta get got, and the second three issues are people getting got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you read The Slavers, and you're like, fuck all these people. And then Frank shows up and fucks all those people. What what this does in the first issue is skip to the end. Yeah. Like, you're seeing the end of one of those progressions from the start. Yeah. I think, I think it's pretty good. I don't... It's certainly not the rawest example of Frank Castle's go-to tactics. It is pretty fucking good and pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think you're right on the money with the... Nobody's ever... He's never going to let anybody ever get away with it. Whether they're 100 years old and about to die anyway, or if the world is about to end. Doesn't matter. They yeah. have to pay. It is, it is important to Frank Castle that he's the one who does it and you know, he does it. Like, yeah. I, I think that's a, like, that's a really interesting thing about the character. Cause you know, like I like the Punisher a lot, like as a character, um, would never, unfortunately buy a t-shirt because of, you know why? Uh, but like Punisher doesn't use like sniper rifles, you know, like he doesn't pick people off partly because that's boring to read a, an, an adventure story about, but partly because like, no, he needs you to know. Yeah. He needs you to be punished. Yeah. He he doesn't, he doesn't just serve justice. He's not scourge. He has to punish you. Yeah. And that's important. You gotta know. You gotta know. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, bottom-ish of the list? Uh, I'm thinking... I don't think it's as good as Jetman saying break her fucking neck. I don't think it's as good as the newspaper headline where the Earth says to the invaders, drop dead. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably more raw than Hulk uh, asking Blade if he can turn into a bat. 
Yeah, I think this is the new number 32 yeah. on the list. Still good, though. Still good, though. Okay. The, let, I, let's make it very clear. You have to be good to get on the list. Period. If you're not raw, you're not on the list. Yeah. So this is this is a raw moment. Yeah. Like uh, I said, Garthinus. If if our listeners wanted to, Garthinus could run this list. It's true. It's true. All right, we're out of time. Oh, we only we only added. That. This was fun. This is fun. We only added two things to the list, but we got in some really good discussion about even the stuff we didn't put on the list. I will say this. I will tease the next one. The next one is definitely going on the list, and it is another one of those Marvel Comics moments where it's like, this helped make Marvel Comics. What is it? Specifically, Bronze Age Marvel Comics. What is it? Uh, it is. It is from Frank Miller's Daredevil run. We'll say that. We'll say that. Oh, that could be so many things. It's some. It's something Matt tells tells Zell Wilson Fisk. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna be good. That's gonna be good. All right. I just uh, don't dance on my chair. <laughs> if you want to uh, send us a submission for Thursday Night Raw, or let us know about whether the Floronic Man was wealthy. Uh, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That is also where you can let us know if you want to sponsor the show or get in touch with us for any other old dang reason. Uh, you can you can hit us up there. You can also contact us on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky at warrocketajax.bluesky.social. Uh, you can uh, Join our Discord, which you have to be invited to be a member of, but if you ask us nicely for an invitation, we will see to it that you get a spot over there on uh, our Discord. So uh, just ask in any of the places I just mentioned, and we'll get you a Discord invitation. Or you can ask on Patreon for a Discord invitation. If you want to find every episode of the show we've ever done, go to warrocketajax.com. That's our website. You can also go to warrocketwiki.com for all the information you could ever need about this show. You can find a list of uh, important episodes over there. Milestone episodes, you might say, on warrocketwiki.com. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. I actually had a listener ask about getting a Copernicus Jones trade paperback. Uh, which I'm sorry I haven't answered your email uh, yet, but I, I will try to make that happen. I have a handful of those, so if anybody is interested in those, uh, let me know, and maybe I can make that happen. Um, the same but, person actually uh, contacted me asking about X Men '92, which is good because only half of my uh, restock order came in in time for that con, so I have a bunch of them and no cons. Yeah, I I have. Uh, I ordered books when I shouldn't have as well. And so I I have books I have books to spare. <laughs> nice to have books though. It's true. Uh Chris, where can people find you and your stuff? 
everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the, the stuff that I do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should update that. Maybe not. I'm not really doing much public writing these days. And, uh, in fact, the only public writing I'm really doing these days is available at the War at Ajax Patreon. Uh, it has been a while since something new has, go- has gone up, not going to lie. But uh, my Adderall prescription finally got refilled. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this discussion of comics' rawest moments. And uh, we'll be back with more soon. I sure did. Until next time, everybody. Don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops are not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Flash.